Hi, Liz Winstead, co-creator of The Daily Show and founder of Abortion Access Front, or as we call it, Abortion AF. Abortion AF is a nonprofit created by activists, organizers, and a variety of showbiz types who want to use our talents and platforms to raise awareness to the erosion of abortion access and create programs that help us reclaim this fundamental right. We help connect local abortion providers and activists with their community so folks can learn how to help clinics stay open, patients access care, and reverse the current decimation of bodily autonomy. We also get into good trouble exposing the lies of the anti-abortion movement at their churches, their rallies, and their religious-based fake abortion clinics where creepy people doing some sort of medical cosplay demonize folks seeking abortion care instead of providing it. Oh yeah, and our weekly podcast, Feminist Buzzkills Live, we use facts and humor to wade through the ever-changing news in this hellscape. To learn more or to make a donation, visit aafront.org. Exposing sexist ass clowns has never been more rewarding. Waymo TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. Hey, what's poppin'? Welcome back to Weibo.tv. Today in the studio, we got Ryan David. He's the director of Futura Days. You know, we're talking time travel. We're talking time travel. Filmmaking. Time travel. Also, we got I Love Lamp. It's an Anchorman-themed punk band from Switzerland. Let's head on over to the studio. Let's meet up with BJ. Hey, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me today on Weibo TV. Would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on? Sure, yeah. I'm a filmmaker. My name is Ryan David, and I have a film called Future Days. It's a world premieres this week at the CineQuest Festival in San Jose. And uh, so the timing of this interview is kind of perfect. Yeah, tell me. I, I, you know, I love anything involving time travel, uh, but I'm a little curious about what, what made you choose that as a storytelling device. Yeah, I think I kind of pitched the movie as Primer meets Before Sunrise, Sunset. <laughs> Um, essentially, uh, I love the idea of people, couples coming to the relationship at different part times in their relationship. And so I love this idea of like bridging those two movies with the time travel device of the same couple, but dealing with different parts of their relationship. And so, um, I kind of use that as a basis for kind of putting together the script. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this. So this is your second movie. Was there anything that you mm-hmm. learned? Oh, hold on a second. I got no a very anxious puppy barking in the background. Uh-huh. Did you have, like, so coming to your second film, was there anything that you learned from doing the first one that you, that you applied to this one? Well, yeah, I think someone once said, you only learn writing, how to learn, write a book by learning to by writing a book. And so I think the first film, you're kind of, you know, reading up a lot of things about how other people make films and kind of their strategies. And um, you're kind of trying to apply what works for the masters on your thing. And so you don't really have, you know, you're doing the best you can based upon the circumstances. I think the second film, is a different beast. You kind of become more of yourself and you kind of know, you know, what you want to do and what things work for you and what things don't. You're not kind of going on like industry rules of thumb as much anymore. And I think the first film, you kind of listen to your crew, how they want to do things. And this time, not that you want to push back against your crew, but you have a little bit more of a direction of how you want to approach, you know, basically constructing a habitat for humanity house. You know, it's like building a house really quickly. And so you've got three, four weeks to, you know, make a full film, you know, bigger pictures have three, four months. So we got to get a lot done in a short amount of time. Yeah. And tell me, so, I mean, we're talking before the film is released, but like, how are you feeling about it uh, in terms of your expectations and hopes of how the crowd, how the audience receives it? Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. Um, I think CineQuest is the best, best home for it. I mean, it could have gotten to maybe a little bit like bigger festivals that are a little more well-known like Sundance or like something like Tribeca. 
But I think that those festivals are so tailored to like the indie uh, genre right now. Um, and, and they're kind of like movies are made for Sundance. So they're made for Tribeca. And I think my film's a little left of center. So I think the fact that um, CineQuest is based in San Jose, it's like the Stanford people. It's more of tech, AR, VR. And because it's sci-fi, I found the perfect niche uh, audience for the, for the movie. And I think that's the most important thing when making any type of product is to find, you know, the minimal bare, minimal necessary audience to, that can really love it instead of trying to be somewhere that's, yeah, maybe we'll get you a little bit more um, profile, but, you know, once the festival's over, you're kind of back to where you were. Right. Yeah. No, so let's go, let's talk a little bit more about the film in terms of the relationship at the core of it. Uh, I don't know how much you want to get into about like getting into spoilers, but what's the, what is the sort of the big high level overview? Of yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, I think for me, you know, my films kind of can be a little high level intellectual and philosophical. And so I think, you know, I'm always trying to remind the audience how smart they really are, which is kind of against what Hollywood does. And a lot of things, I mean, I watch everything. I'm such a cinephile on my, even like TV stuff I love. So I keep up with everything, but even very successful shows, you know, something like Euphoria or something, you know, other shows that are successful this year. You watch them in a week and then it's over and everybody, you know, you loved it, but you don't really remember it because there's just so much content. So I really try to make a different type of film where even if you hate it, you're still going to kind of remember it. Um, and so that's kind of high level stuff. But then I want to make sure the audience really has an emotional through line to things. So even though it's sci-fi and headache concepts about quantum physics, um, having a love story at its core makes it relatable in terms of, you know, these are big heady concepts, but most of the time we don't apply that to how it would actually affect our lives. Um, you know, I love, I love the Nolan movies. I love Primer. I love these kind of like very heady niche movies and, you know, they act, they make for great plots and great stuff, but it's entertainment, but there's no, the thought experiment doesn't get to apply to you because it's all built into the mechanics of the plot. Whereas by having a love story and the romance and how it affects you personally, um, or how it could affect you personally kind of allows the audience to feel tucked in at the end, even if they might not understand the mechanics of all the time travel stuff. Right. And so like, if you had a chance to look into your future, I have to ask first, would you? Uh, I mean, based upon my movie, no, because if you have the information, you kind of mess up your day to day. So, I mean, I think that's the kind of the point of the movie is by trying to know your future, always trying to map it out and plan it. And I think, especially in America, you know, I just moved to Portugal and I've been living over there, but I think we're always chasing things. It's always do, do, do. It's, it's, it's doing over being, and instead of just being sometimes, um, is, it's hard. And so I think my movie is trying to tell people, um, there's this other idea of becoming, and there's this line about becoming yourself. Um, and there's a, a process that unfolds in time and sometimes just be patient and let things unfold in time instead of trying to control the future or map it out. You might get more what you want if you just let it happen. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo could help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online from websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. But in my spare time, I travel. I've been to Iran, Iraq, the North Pole, the South Pole, Chernobyl. <laughs> These are my vacations, folks. 
I've even been to North Korea. That's the scary Korea. It's all in my new travel podcast on the Believe Network called What Am I Doing Here? It's fast, it's funny, and it's factual enough. You'll hear how I was robbed in Rio, kidnapped in Honduras, dangled from a cliff in Pakistan, and chased by a lady with a meat cleaver again in Honduras. I had a lot of problems in Honduras. Each week I visit all the world's hot spots and hell holes so you don't have to. You're welcome. Download and subscribe to What Am I Doing Here? wherever you get your podcasts. You have some like tremendous, some tremendously deep cuts for films on your website uh, about like what inspired your current film. And so I'm just curious about like what, where did you get bit by that cinema bug? Um, yeah, you know, it's like I really love, I just think, you know, it's so much of the cinema of the past 30, 40 years is, you know, not in a negative way because I love so much of it. I grew up screwed, grew up on it, but I probably would have watched a lot of these, these films when I was younger. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I used to also live in Colorado. So just didn't have access to it. I think the first like world cinema stuff that I got access to was, I said, like, um, I think Christoph Kozlowski is the, the Colors trilogy, Red, White, and Blue. And I would just always go to Borders Bookstore, Barnes and Noble, and just like peruse the DVD section. And it always just like, reached out to me and like I finally got it and I like blew my mind in high school I mean I think I was like not didn't love it so much because I was into like very like you know genre type stuff but I still was very interested in it and as I got older I started to learn and learning how to make films and got more into it I started falling away from the quote-unquote movie side of stuff because there's such a such a structure to them I started falling in love with older films because I never knew where they were going to go there was no screenwriter's Bible back then. So there was no, like, do this, this, this. And so because of that, they felt more like dreams. And even if I couldn't finish the film in one sitting or I would fall asleep or because it was so slow or whatnot, okay, I watched over two or three sittings. And, and I, I found that there was just, you know, it's just learning to, like, eating fast food as a kid and learning to, like, sushi. You know, you don't want sushi all the time. But I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to do this, my level of intellect, and now that I know how to make movies, I could see myself making you know, just a, a burger. I, I, I would want to make something a little bit, you know, as I said, more sushi-like, uh, just because it's going to be more interesting for me. I've been living with it every day for five years. And so um, at the end of the day, I have to make myself happy too. Yeah, I think that's really important, right? I mean, because as you said, you you were birthing this thing into the world and you're carrying it for for years at a time sometimes just to, yeah. just to get it right. Tell me, like, you went, so you went to college for... Um, I, for, it was almost like a philosophy major, was it? Yeah, it was like philosophy, cognitive neuroscience, it had all that stuff, um, you know, some psychology. But I mean, it's all wrapped up in that stuff, which, I, which is why I think I'm so heady about things. And I come from things from more of an academic background, but I think that that's, I love these types of ideas. And I just love the idea of trying to package that through art. You know, you're never going to change anybody's mind through a conversation or a rational conversation. But if you show them a dream, you might click something inside of them um, you know, I think they say in like Zen Buddhism, like the, the masters say, like, you know, they give you all this advice, but they say, drop the language as soon as, as, soon as you leave the, le- the lesson, forget it because it's already done its work on you. You don't need to like try to remember what I said. And so I try to make movies that like, everybody's like, oh, but what does that mean? Or these, it's a little esoteric or this or that. And I'm like, yeah, but it already worked its magic on you. There's nothing to really get, get. And just as soon as you've seen it, like let it go, because if I, if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, it didn't, there's nothing more to get here. So yeah, I really like that because I, I just want to circle back to something you said 
Uh, did you want to remind the audience that they're smarter than how, how, how smart they really are? Yeah. And so I tell me like what, what inspires that? Well, I think that, I mean, I think going back to this idea of like the hamburgers and the sushi is that human beings, like nature craves novelty, right? That's what evolution is. And I think we've gone to this point where so much money has been given to like the corporations have gotten so much debt and equity from wall street that they're like, okay, we're going to spend $30 billion on content. And so because essentially there's been so much money coming into all creators or especially the creators that create, that control the thing, it, you know, there's limitation. And sometimes art needs limitation. And there's just so much money being spent that they, they, and they, and they have to like get their profits back or make these things that we, we've lost novelty in the content that we're seeing. And I think that's why TikTok is so big or YouTube because there's an ability to find novelty. And so I was trying to bring the novel back, uh, to filmmaking because I feel like people would love to see something. As I said, it's so different that you might hate my movie, but at least you remember like, Oh, I fucking hate that movie. Excuse me for cursing. But you know, you might, you might love series that are the best series of the year and you see seven of them, but you don't really remember them in the long run. So again, I think this idea of human beings crave novelty. And so making people remember how smart they really are is again, that twofold thing of having really heady ideas, but wrapping them up in the bow of a relationship so that even if you can't follow the heady ideas, you can follow the relationship. Right. Yeah. I still so, want to be entertaining. My job is still, right. like at the end of the day, my job is still to be entertaining. So I think there's an entertainment in think, feeling, remember how like, oh yeah, I feel like this makes sense to me. So like there's, I think they give up on this idea that things that are heady can be entertaining. Yeah. It's true. Um, because they don't see it. Or, you know, yeah. They just don't see it often enough. Yeah. Um, tell me like, in the so in the film, there's there's a little bit of a conundrum of being able to defer. Again, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but uh, the character is able to look ahead into, into his future and then decides yeah. uh, to to make changes based on that. And so I'm just I'm curious about your approach to time travel within the film, given your background academically of like theories yeah. of mind and well, I philosophy. think that there's a, there's this fa- the famous uh, uh, philosopher Alfred North Whitehead. And he wrote this uh, book on process, process and something, I forget what it is. But again, this idea of becoming yourself unfolding in time. And, um, you know, he had this one thing. He said, you have ideas so they can die instead of you. And I think what we all do is we map our potential futures out. Like, how's my day going to go? Or it's anxiety at night. And you're trying to, like, game the system. So we're all kind of, like, mapping out all these very things. And then as your day goes, you collapse down to this one waveform of what you decided. But your life is spent projecting all of these various future uh, paths that you could take, hoping that you're, you're doing that. So because your brain from the, you know, from back when we were on the, on the Savannah was you were not trying to die. Like the Jaguar is going to come get you. So the way we think is very much based upon, you know, just surviving nature. And now that we live in, in, the, in the modern world, we don't really need that tool as much, but we haven't adapted to that. So we still project all of these various things of like, which path am I going to go down where it's not game over? <laughs> and then try to choose that path. And so I think that's what the movie's trying to show. It's like, here's a guy, we all do that, but here he's doing it literally, if you will. And um, it almost becomes game over for him by doing that. So I'm trying to get people to maybe, you know, think about more of, you know, trying to up, you know, it's, it's hard enough. We all have confirmation biases. We all have hindsight biases. And, and to try to get outside of yourself a little bit might help you make better decisions. Absolutely. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? 
Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Do you want to grow your audience without sacrificing your privacy? Then the Stupid Sexy Privacy miniseries is just for you. It's a short, special presentation that will run every Thursday morning right here on Weiwo.tv for the next 23 weeks. In each short episode, we'll teach you how to preserve as much of your privacy as possible while still participating in the creator economy. You'll also hear from top privacy and disinformation experts who will teach you how to protect yourself from fascists and weirdos. And who doesn't want that? So make sure you're subscribed to Weiwo.tv where all podcasts can be found and we'll see you every Thursday morning for a special presentation of Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv miniseries. Uh, tell me, what, what got, so when you made your first film, like what was that, what was the impetus for that? Like what was that moment where you're like, I, I just need to go and actually make this thing as opposed to just. Yeah. I, I think that like, I was working on the other side of the industry. I always knew I wanted to do, you know, be a filmmaker. I think, you know, your family's always kind of like afraid of you going down that path because it's so difficult. And so I think I held off a little bit. Um, and I worked on the other side as kind of a hedge. And the funny thing is, it's like by hedging, you kind of put yourself a little bit behind because when you're 21, 22, you're going to make a short. There's less, whatever. But now I was 27, 28. And, going to make a short's way different that's five years you know even more responsibilities you, you know you know people just expect different things of you and so i kind of hedged my bet and i was just saying, you know what if i if i wait any longer this is never going to happen i gotta see so i just kind of jumped in and um, i jumped into a full feature not even a short so i mean i kind of wish i had done a short but you know it, it ended up being better in a way because i got so much experience so that experience really helped where I said, you know, making a short's fine, but I'm going to do another short soon to kind of a demo reel for my next thing I want to do. But I'm kind of glad my first thing was a feature and not a short because you really take on the responsibility. You know, when you have a kid, you have a kid. You can't have a, you can't have a half of a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's really well put. Because I, I was asking you, like, what, what would the advantage have been having done a short first? Like, what, would, what was yeah, the Yeah, I, I, I don't think there, that's a thing. It's like, well, you just would have, I would have had a little bit more confidence and not let, you know... Again, it's like, it's back to the half kid thing, full kid. You know, the advantage is it's just you get your sea legs under you. You've done a couple of these. You come in maybe cocky or confident. And the first feature, you have to have a lot of confidence, I think. So I think the confidence might have been great. But, yeah, in the long run, it is what it is. What happened, happened. So I have to enjoy it. Right. And tell me, like, so there's a great uh, – there's a question I usually ask everyone, which is, you know, like, what's something you would say to your, to your younger self? And, and you had yeah. said – there's a scene in the movie with that yeah. exact thing. So a little just well, that well, that's so funny because it's like yeah, it's so funny that you said that because like, like that was the, kind of the impetus for writing the movie. Um, I think it was funny enough. Kobe Bryant, funny story. Kobe Bryant when he died, we were shooting the movie, and I had shot all morning um, that morning. So we shot all into the night. So I was driving back at like seven a.m. in the morning to my house to go to sleep, and the, the and it was I remember it being so foggy out, being like, geez, it's like because I was in the valley, and then his helicopter crashed then. But it was funny because the influence of the movie three years before was on ESPN when Kobe Bryant retired on like whatever, he wrote a letter to his former self. As, and so the impetus for the movie was like, oh, here's this guy so successful writing a letter to his former self at 17. And so I wrote kind of a letter to the former self and I kind of, that's how I started the movie. Um, we, we kind of uh, bookended a little bit, but it's really at the end of the movie. Well, that was kind of the impetus for the idea, really. So it was kind of apropos or weird or synchronicity or just fucking weird coincidence. Maybe it had nothing to do with anything that he died. But 
that idea of writing a letter to your former self because the future self knows what the past self did because he intervened. So it's this real, you know, interesting thing. Yeah. What, what would you say to your younger self now? Like given you're on your second film? Yeah. I think, I think it's just, it's like, it's like enjoy the process. I think you, again, it's like the lessons from this movie. You know, if you have a dream, you will get to that dream. And like, it's like, I made my first film. I thought I was going to fix all the things in my life that I was like, okay, if I just do this, I'm going to like be healed. And then I was still stuck with me. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the thing about the movie is he's a, he's a musician, but he's doing so well, but it's, you know, he says it's one thing onto the next thing. It's, it's a never ending climb life. And you think that when you like reach your dreams and you sacrifice all these things, I think it was like Michael Phelps, you know, once he retired from swimming was really depressed and suicidal because once he couldn't be Michael Phelps anymore, it was really, really tough for him. So I think, and especially in American society, everything's about achieving your dreams. And what happens if you, what happens if the dog catches the car? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, what? Yeah. I think that that's a, just a terrific point. And it's just a lot of people think, as you mentioned, like, you know, all I need is this book, right? I'll get this book out and my life is going to change. And then you're like, yeah. oh, shit, um, it didn't. Yeah. Then what do I do? Yeah. Before I get to my last question, uh, let me let me ask, where where can we find the film? Where can we find you? What would you like us to check out? Yeah, I mean, just futuredays.com. I mean, we have on that is our Instagram, too. We're building out uh, Twitter and we're building out, we'll build out a Discord, where kind of what happens. So I think that's a cool thing. I mean, maybe we'll get a TikTok, but right now, futuredays.com. The Instagram is on there as well. I don't have social media. It makes my life a little bit easier. <laughs> I get to just be creative. And yeah, I mean, check out CineQuest. I mean, any stuff that's going on this week um, would be great for us. And then, you know, based upon that, we're, we got some sales agents attached. And so hopefully the next, you know, within the course of this year, it will come out. You know, I don't know exactly when, but we probably will sell the film in the fall. And then that means, you know, within by next summer, I expect, you know, end of end of next spring, it'll be out. So That's awesome. But, cool. um, what led you not to have social media? Like, I'm just, I'm curious, like, was it just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was funny. Like even when I was in Facebook came out my freshman year of college, I was like withheld on it. Everybody else got it. So then I got it. And then I kind of just, I had it through college and then I stopped, basically got off it right when I graduated. I never got on Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff. And my first movie came out. My team was like, you got to get on Instagram. You got to promote it. X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and it did zero. It didn't move the needle for me. Zero. And then I'd, I'd never followed people. I always followed more like spiritual or science stuff. And then after a while, it kept being the same like pictures and images and memes over and over again. So I'm like, okay, I've already like maxed out like what they're going to show me based upon what I follow. So the algorithm just kept showing me the same, you know, so after about eight months of that, it was like, all right, I already see the same stuff and it didn't help me at all with my career. So, you know, you can't really market a filmmaker's face. It doesn't really matter. I'm not Steven Spielberg. So I'm just like, well, it's not making my life any better. And I hate comparing and contrasting where I am. And I think that's part, the point of the movie, right? Stop comparing and contrasting. So... Um, I had trying to live my own advice. Yeah. You know, I think it's fascinating. That, and it's something I, I talked about a decade ago and we're still talking about today where uh, the entertainment business will tell you, you have to be on Instagram, but as you correctly pointed out, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do what we, what they are because the executives think it will do. Yeah. Um, well, the, also it's funny, this girl, I forget her, what her name was, but she was on Snapchat and they try to like make her a movie star, but her audience didn't come from Snapchat. Their audience only stayed on Snapchat. And so they tried, they, they rebooted She's All That and they put her, oh, you know, she's in this movie and she's all this famous and they try to make her a star and you can't because the audience doesn't travel from, from social yes. media platform to social media platform. And I think that they just thought, oh, well, if you have these followers, that's a guaranteed marketing built in. It's not. That's exactly. Uh, it tra- fandom does not transfer between mediums. No. 
Uh, I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but yeah. let, me get, let me get to my last question, which is just simply, what's one thing you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you just haven't been asked yet? Yeah, I guess the thing is, is, is kind of like why I became a filmmaker. And I think we kind of talked about it. It's just, you're never going to convince anybody through like rational conversation. I come from this academic point of view. And again, if you show them a dream, then there could be an emotional thing that like doesn't ever get them to change what their opinion is, but they can maybe see it from a new light. And so I think that's why I got into filmmaking was not to, um, you know, not just to make movies, but to have conversations with people and kind of show them my dreams. And that, you know, by doing that, they can have a different view on life. Well, that's our show. And uh, our, our apologies to the band. You know, we kind of just ran out of time. That's kind of the, uh, that's the nature of things. It's the, it's the name of the game. Hey, hey, hey! Vaped Crusaders comes out on the 20th of every month. The 20th! You can't smoke that in here! Oh, wait, what day is it now? Do I look like a fucking calendar to you? Hey, man, I don't need all the attitude and stuff, you know? I don't, I don't need it. Well, I don't need your face, your vape, or your... Are those Air Jordan 3 OGs? Yeah, yes. Those are $4,500 sneakers. I know, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, they are. No, wait. I don't like you. Don't make me like you. I'm not, man. I'm just out here. I'm just trying to relax, dude. I'm on to you, pal. You're trying to do some Jedi mindfuck bullshit. <laughs> and I don't I don't think that's what it's called. I don't think that's the thing. You want to play mind games with me, motherfucker? All right, let's dance. <sighs> Make sure to tune in to Vape Crusaders. New episodes are going to drop every month on the 20th, right here on Weibo.tv. Okay, your, your, your middle name is Macho, but uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever, has Macho Man ever cried? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for Macho Men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more, but... I've soared with the eagles, and I've slithered with the snakes, and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life, and that there are no guarantees, yeah. And uh, I understand this. (laughs) Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy, so if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up, and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. 
So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?